But we see coaching changes this week, or does Sonny Dykes decide to run this thing back and hope for improvement in 2024? We'll talk about it next here on Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, also on the YouTube channel. Thank you for listening or watching the show. I'm recording this on Monday morning, so let's talk about timeline first. There have been no coaching changes that have been made as of yet. If you missed it, TCU played on Friday. I doubt you missed this, but if you missed the postgame recap, Frogs lose to Oklahoma 69-45. to They finished the season 5-7. and seven. Their season is over. There are a chance that sometimes 5-7 and seven teams make a bowl game based on academic progress reports. Uh, TCU did not qualify based on their APR. Also, there's, you know, just that's also determined by how many bowl eligible teams there are. So anyway, bottom line, Frogs aren't going to play in a bowl game. They didn't get to six wins. And so now the offseason starts. And it starts earlier than I think a lot of us thought before the year. But this is where we're at. And the question that I kind of threw out there or I, I asked the audience I said, hey, what changes do you want to see? Or what do you want to see TCU prioritize throughout this offseason? And many people said coaching changes. Some people were more specific, some on the defensive side of the ball, some on the offensive side of the ball. But the majority of folks seem to land on making a change at defensive coordinator. It's Monday morning. Nothing's happened yet. I would say definitely if something doesn't go down by the end of the week, then we're probably looking at a situation – where everyone stays together and they run this thing back. Um, but I would even say by Tuesday or Wednesday, if we're not hearing anything, at least if there's no rumblings out of TCU's camp, that something might be changing, then they're probably going to stay the course, which is not a popular decision. Um, and they might make a move in special teams as well. You know, Mark Tramadol had a tough year. Brian Capers mentioned that in the postgame show. It's like nobody talks about the special teams. Well, I mean, I'll talk about it. Yeah, the punting situation wasn't great. Now, Jordy Sandy has done uh, good things at TCU. I wish him the best. He's going to move on now. Um, and he was fine. I just think, you know, he didn't flip the field maybe as much as we thought. A guy who was, I think that was his third full year uh, punting the football. Griffin Kell struggled. Now, part of that was um, the offense put him in bad situations, and he was having to kick long field goals a lot. But he struggled. The kick return game was really bad. Major Everhart had a big, long kick return against Colorado this year. But that was really it. And there were so many times where they would take the ball to the end zone and only get to the 15 or 16-yard line. I remember a play I had circled that I didn't even get to because TCU ended up winning the game and it didn't matter that much. But before halftime against Baylor, there was 51 seconds left. And he brought the ball to the end zone. And he got to the 23-yard line. And so you you lost two yards of field position and you wasted eight seconds of the clock on a possession where time was precious. And it was just like, man, that's not great. So, yeah, special teams was a mess this season. Maybe they'll make a move there. But I was, I was kind of emotional after that game. And my, my thought was I feel like it's time to move on at, at defense coordinator. And sitting here on Monday morning, I still feel that way. Now, let me make a few things clear, just put some caveats in here. Um, letting people go stinks. 
it's easy for me to sit here and say this. I know it's really hard for Sonny to make these decisions. He has relationships with these coaches. You know, he has to think about their families. I totally get that, right? Joe Gillespie seems like a really good dude. I think he's a good coach. Uh, he did a nice job at Tulsa. I think last season TCU's defense was relative to expectations, was pretty solid. This year I had higher expectations for them. They had so much experience coming back. And they've been inconsistent at best. I feel like they had some good moments. You know, there were weeks in the year against like West Virginia and Iowa State where the offense was struggling, where I felt like they kept them in the ball game. But the general theme over the past two years, and we've now, I mean, we now have 27 games of, of a sample size with this defense and the scheme is that teams that have weapons and that have good quarterbacks have just picked this defense apart. You look at the second half against Michigan last year, obviously what happened in the national championship game this season against Colorado, against Kansas state against Oklahoma, uh, against Texas in the first half. I mean, they gave up 62 points against OU. The final score, you know, you scored 69, but there was a pick six in there. They forced one punt. They forced one turnover. That was it. And it wasn't like the point of this kind of conservative 3-3-5 system that they run is to limit big plays, keep things in front of them, uh, and force offenses to methodically go down the field. And the hope is that most offenses can't execute 10, 12, 15 play drives. Or once they get in plus territory, once they get in the red zone and the the field shrinks, then you can make things happen. TCU wasn't good in the red zone this year. And, I mean, in this game against Oklahoma and in other games this year, they had huge pass plays over the top just over and over again. And a lot of it was due to the fact that they were bringing – TCU was bringing, you know, three to four rushers. They weren't – getting home. They weren't getting the quarterback. They weren't even really pressuring Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel had all day to, you know, assess the defense, make throws, make decisions, make his, go through his progressions. And eventually receivers were coming open. And part of that's a personnel issue. I mean, it, I think it's, it's been pretty obvious over the past few years, teams have figured out if they isolate these safeties and linebackers in one-on-one situations, then they can make things happen. But if it's a personnel issue, I think my question would be, why have we not seen some change up in the rotations? Like, Why have we not seen some of these younger players get some run, whether that be in the secondary, at the safety safety spot, or on the D-line? You know, give Avion Carter a chance. Give Marcus Steele a chance. Now, I know, like, the coaching staff would probably say, well, you're not there at practice. These guys aren't ready. But – I mean, when you're when you're giving up six, seven, ten yards of play, how much worse can it be? And if you're not going to make an adjustment in personnel, then why are you not making an adjustment with what you're doing scheme wise? Like in that game against Oklahoma, if if you're playing this conservative style and you're limiting how many people you're bringing on the pass rush because you want to, you know, stay back and cover. Well, if, if you're giving up big plays, why are you not at least starting to heat Gabriel up? Like, bring some pressure, change up some looks. Do something to give this, you know, this offense uh, something to think about. And 
Yeah, the D-line wasn't as good this year. They really missed Dylan Horton. Um, but bringing, like, having four down linemen is not just some magic pill to make your defense great. But you have to be more aggressive. You have to find a way to speed up the, the quarterback's progressions, his reads, you know, force some bad throws. Even if you're not sacking him, get him outside the pocket. Make him – force him – make plays off balance or off schedule. Um, And just over and over again, they didn't do this. I saw this chart. Now this this was, so this was before the Oklahoma game. So uh, these stats that have been compiled by Cody Alexander from pro football focus, they do not include the Oklahoma game. I just want to make that caveat clear, but he has charted power five teams, every power five team in the country where they're at. And, there's a lot of different things that he charts, but one is blitz percentage. You know, the percentage of snaps that teams are bringing pressure. TCU brought pressure this season going into the OU game on 18.6% of snaps. So they're bringing eight extra rushers on 18% of their snaps. That was the second lowest percentage in the Power Five. The only, I mean, the only school, the only university that didn't bring pressure more than TCU was Northwestern. At 17.5%. And it wasn't only that. He broke down, like, they weren't bringing pressure. They also weren't bringing simulated pressure, which means you're acting like you're going to bring a blitz, but then you back off. They only did that 3.7% of the time. They only ran stunts on 10% of their snaps this year. Stunts meaning, you know, twists, different things with the defensive linemen where you're moving them around, trying to confuse offensive linemen. And I get part of that. You only got three down linemen. You have them a little more spread out in the, you know, across the line. Like it, it's harder to do some different things like that. But the, I mean, the key here is you're only bringing pressure 18% of the time. You're not simulating pressure. You're not running stunts. Offenses know what you're going to do. And I'm sure when they're watching film throughout the week, they're thinking to themselves, okay, we can drop things. We can diagram things. We can run plays this week that are slow developing, um, double moves wheel routes, crossers, and we can spread this team out. We can still isolate them in some favorable matchups, and we can allow our receivers to run long developing routes that force, you know, safeties and corners to really be locked down in coverage for four to five seconds at a time. Now, listen, bringing pressure is not like Baylor brought pressure 37% of the time, which is um, – higher in the power five and it wasn't like their defense was great but it's pretty obvious that teams have tcu figured out and what they're going to do and so unless joe gillespie is going to make some significant changes whether that be personnel wise or scheme wise i just don't see a path forward here it feels like the book is out with what tcu wants to do on defense and i don't feel like you can continue to go down this direction when we come back which players are TCU going to have to re-recruit the most this offseason? I'll explain here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. Let's talk about the Game Time app. The Game Time app is the best place to get tickets. If you're wondering, man, I need tickets to a, a music, like a concert. I need tickets to a theater production, uh, a sporting event, TCU basketball, Mavs game. Download the Game Time app. It's super easy to use. You don't have to worry about buying tickets. It's fast, just a couple taps of a button. 
and uh, you'll have your tickets. They go right there to your phone. They have killer last minute deals, all in prices. One of my favorite things they do, you get to see a picture of exactly what your view is going to be from your seat. So you can look there and be like, okay, this is what it's going to look like when I sit down. I'll have this view of the stage or this view of the field. It's fantastic. Game time math makes it super easy. Use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. So download it today. Use that code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. They don't have a much hidden fees. They make it easy for you. Um, they have last-minute deals, flash sales, game time app, best place to buy tickets. They make it easy for you. Download the game time app today. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In today's world of college football, recruiting is not just about adding to your roster. Now, you have to do that in the high school ranks. You have to do that in the transfer portal. And CCU is working on that. Early signing day is coming fast. And we'll have coverage of that. But one huge thing in the world of the transfer portal now, and with coaching changes and everything that goes down, is you have to re-recruit players. And that's another calculus you have to make if you're going to make coaching staff changes, right? Like if you're going to change things up at offense coordinator, defense coordinator, you have to factor in like, okay, we could lose some guys, right? Probably going to lose some current players. Good chance we lose some high school commits who thought they were going to play for a certain coach. That's another thing you have to factor in. These are all parts of the decision. But in today's day and age, and this is one thing that really frustrates coaches. You're always having to keep, you know, keep your players engaged, see where where they're at, see what they're feeling, and try to get them back on the roster. And there's going to be some attrition. We're going to see some people bolt for the transfer portal this offseason. I don't know who. There will probably be some big names. Or at least some names that you're like, man, I thought this player could contribute for us next year. That's a bummer. But which players on this roster currently – are imperative to keep. I came up with three. And it starts with Monty Bailey. Now, Monty's got a decision to make because he could also go the NFL route if he wants to. But I'm really talking about just keeping him out of the portal. And just so everybody knows, I, I feel like I've made this clear before, but this is not me reporting anything. I'm not saying these guys are not happy. I'm not saying they're going to go. This is just if, you know, if we're talking about the players on the current roster, you need to make sure you keep intact. The, these are the guys. It's not – this is not a ranking of, like, who I think is most likely to leave. It's a ranking of importance on the team and kind of where they stand and who you need to keep um, happy and just on the roster, right? Amani had a really good season. 1,200 yards, 1,209 yards, eight touchdowns, average five yards a carry. And, I mean, that was with an offensive line that struggled for a lot of the year. He has a great burst, good explosiveness. Um, and I thought he grew a lot in, in certain areas as, as an all-around running back. I feel like he got a lot better at blitz pickups, pass protection. That was one thing in the Oklahoma game that stood out to me just watching him. I was like, man, he's gotten so much better at stepping up in the pocket, 
taking on a defensive lineman or taking on a linebacker that's coming, you know, his way and giving Josh Hoover extra time to make plays. Um, as the year went on, the offensive line struggled in run blocking and they sort of got away from running the ball in general. But I still thought this offense was at its best when they were running the football downhill with Monty Bailey. And in the Baylor game and in the Oklahoma game, um, we saw, you know, we saw them kind of get back to that, churning out yards on the ground again, running against a light box, finding ways to make it happen. He was one of the few players this year that lived up to expectations from start to finish. He was great in the Colorado game. He really carried the team um, against Houston in the second half against SMU. He sort of steadied the waters early in the season, and they were still struggling in scoring territory, but they were at least able to move the chains and get first downs and get moving down the field because they were able to run the ball successfully. If Amani comes back next year as your bell cow running back, then I feel really good about that. Um, not sure exactly who's going who the QB is going to be, but I mean, I think it's just going to be uh, a good offense with him at the helm. Now you're you're replacing basically your whole offensive line potentially again, and so that's going to be part of this, and that's going to be tough. But the effort, the intensity, um, the swagger he brought to the field, I thought Amani Bailey was fantastic this year. In my mind, he is person number one that you got to keep in the fold going into the offseason. I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I'll go with Dominic Williams. Now, I feel like there's a a couple foundational pieces on this defense that I like going into next year, but Dominic was the one that stood out to me that if you lost him, it would just be a huge blow. You're already pretty thin at the D-line position. I think, you know, you you got some young guys you're excited about, but you need that big man in the middle. Whether you're running a three-three-five, or if you adjust to something else, uh, interior pressure is the best way to just blow up an offense. You know, we, we saw what Texas has done with Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat this season uh, and their ability to get to the quarterback and blow up run plays. Um, if you're going to be solid up front, I think it starts with Dominic. And he was so good as a freshman. I think this year – a little more understated, but still a really good player, someone who in year three should grow a lot and develop a lot into a great player. And you have to have that anchor up the D-line. You have to have that anchor in the middle of the defense. If teams can just run up the middle on you, um, then there's not a lot you can do. And teams have had success running you know, outside the tackles, behind the guard and tackle, but up front, kind of in the middle of that defense, They've been pretty salty the last few years, and it's been, it's been in a large part because of that nose tackle and Dominic Williams, and he's done a fantastic job. The final player that I'm going to talk about, and I I went back and forth on this. It was between Savion Williams and Josh Huber, and I, I love Savion. I think especially as the year went on, he came into his own, and he started to you know find himself a little bit. Um, he, he runs with an intensity and anger that I like. You know, they, they started giving him some quick passes where he was able to get things going. He was able to get the vertical passing game kick-started a little bit once Josh Hoover took over. But ultimately, I mean, as good as he is a wide receiver, and I want to keep him, I think the more important position here is quarterback. And so I went with Josh Hoover. Now, 
I've said this before. I feel like TCU is going to be dancing, you know, kind of a delicate dance or walking a tightrope this offseason at the QB position because Josh was solid this year in relief of Chandler Morris. Um, I thought he did some really good things. I think his ceiling's high. But even if you don't, even if you're not buying into the idea that he's the dude next year, if he left, that quarterback room gets really thin. Because at that point, you're talking about Haas Haney. I guess we'll see what Chandler Morris decides to do. Um, now, if if Josh decided to leave for whatever reason, which, again, I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just talking about guys that are really important to keep in the full go to the next year. Um, then at that point, TCU would also become a really popular destination for a transfer quarterback because you think there would be opportunity. I love Haas Haney. I think he's going to be a fantastic player for TCU. Um, I know my guy Jesus has been like, he can start immediately. And he mentioned Trevor Lawrence, which, yeah, Trevor Lawrence came in and started. Now, I will say this. Trevor Lawrence didn't start the season as their starter. Uh, he traded snaps to Kelly Bryant. And finally, after game three or four of the season in 2018, Kelly Bryant decided he was going to redshirt and hit the transfer portal. And he was really the first guy um, – kind of in this new era of college football that did that. And it made a lot of waves. But he sort of saw the writing on the wall. But Trevor Lawrence also had a great offensive line. He had five-star running backs and receivers that he was playing with. I mean, Haas is going to come in a situation where if he has to start immediately, he's probably going to be behind kind of a patchwork O-line unless they can make this thing work in the portal. Um, and I think he'll have weapons on the outside. But I just don't feel like that's going to set him up to succeed as much as you would want. And so in my mind, you know, keeping Josh is really important, even if you don't think he should be the guy to beat going into the season. But I feel like he's at least earned the right to be the incumbent, and hopefully they can bring in somebody that pushes him and competes with him. Um, but you have to have QB depth. And it's I think it's the hardest thing for coaches to do now with roster management because there's only one guy that plays, and if you're not playing, everybody's looking to – get out of there and find the next opportunity. And so TCU is going to have to work hard to make sure that, you know, they communicate, they believe in him and they think he can be the guy moving forward. Coming up, let's talk some basketball, men's and women's basketball. They're still undefeated. The women had a, a few wins over the weekend. We'll discuss that. And the men play tonight against Houston Baptist. That's all coming up here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. FanDuel, they are the place to go when it comes to betting in the NFL, NFL weekend, it feels like it never stops, right? We got a game tonight, Bears and Vikings. Game come up on Thursday. I think the Cowboys play on Thursday. Um, and FanDuel still has this amazing deal going on right now. If you go to fanduel.com slash locked on, make a $5 money line bet. And if you hit, you get $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 in exchange for one winning $5 bet. That's a really good deal. Again, that's fanduel.com. Slash locked on FanDuel, their official betting partner of the NFL. They're kicking off this NFL season with this amazing deal. FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can also download their app. It's easy to use. One $5 money line bet, get up to $150 in bonus bets that you can then go make some serious money. FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. TCU men's and women's basketball, both teams are still undefeated. Uh, the women went to a tournament in St. Petersburg over the weekend. They beat UTEP on Thanksgiving Day, 85-56. to 56. And then they beat Nebraska on Saturday. And that was their first 
Power five win of the season. They beat the Cornhuskers 88 to 81 and continue to roll on and be an undefeated team. And Nebraska, they weren't ranked, but their schedule coming in um, was pretty impressive. Their only loss was to Creighton, who is ranked on the season. So uh, Mark Campbell doing a great job. They're 7 0. He's got these transfers. Jaden Owens, Sedona Prince, Madison Carter, Connor, excuse me, the three-point shooter from Arizona, um, who's been leading the team in scoring most most nights. Uh, it feels like this is a talented group that can make a run in the Big 12. Um, they'll return to action on Friday when they play Tulsa, and then they've only got four more uh, non-conference games before conference starts on December 30th, so still some time. Still got about a month until conference play starts. Um, they're not super deep. I mean, it's really like they're starting five and a few people off the bench, but they can score. Uh, they play aggressively on defense. They spread the floor. They got shooters. They're a fun team to watch. And I think if they win against Tulsa on Friday, they'll match their win total from the previous year. But they've overhauled this roster completely, and so far it's paying off in a big way. They look like they have chemistry. Um, now, the Big 12 this year in women's basketball looks to be stacked. I mean, Texas and Baylor are always solid. They look salty again this year. Um, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are good. Kansas State beat number two Iowa, um, which was a huge win. Uh, and Jeff Mitty, the former TCU coach, has them rolling along, and he's done a great job with that program. So there's a lot of good teams in the Big 12. But if you can stay kind of in the top half of that league, you know, with the, the good RPI you should have, I think there's a chance for this team to make the tournament, which would be an incredible turnaround. Um, but they've got shooters. They've got, you know, with, with Owens, they've got a floor general who can handle the ball, get the ball to playmakers, and make things happen. So the TC women continue to roll along. The men, they play tonight against Houston Christian, um, and they look to stay undefeated last game was last uh, Tuesday when they beat Alcorn State 93-74. to So they play Houston Christian tonight, and then they get Georgetown um, on the road on Saturday, December 2nd, and then Clemson on the road on Saturday, December 9th. So they'll start playing some Power 5 opponents. And I'm really excited to see, one, just kind of how this rotation, if it shrinks a little bit, if it slims down um, when they start playing better competition – Jacoby Coles has been fantastic. Jameer Nelson Jr. has been great. Micah Peavy's improved a lot. Um, Emmanuel Miller's been consistent. And then off the bench, like Avery Anderson's been a, a factor. Trey Tennyson has been somebody that they really like and can score some points. Chuck O'Bannon has given them quality minutes. Xavier Cork has given them some quality minutes. Um, so I want to see if they can figure out some things with Ernest Uday because he hasn't been super involved. Jay's been in a lot of foul trouble. And then which players does Jamie trust? in crunch time when they start playing these better teams. They play uh, Georgetown, Clemson, Arizona State back-to-back-to-back. And so we'll get we'll get a better feel for what this team looks like uh, over the next few weeks as they get ready for that gauntlet that is Big 12 basketball. I'm going to try to get Andy Patton on from Locked On College Basketball this week, and he'll talk more about this team. We'll have coverage of the football and basketball team um, all season long, all season long too with the football team. It's Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day.